0: It was more than 30 years ago now that Neil Postman wrote this amazing little book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And while it has many facets to it, a critique of our culture among them, he starts with a contrast of predictions. One, well-known, George Orwell, in his book, 1984, and the other, a little lesser-known, but at roughly the same time, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Orwell's is known, right? He was writing of this way distant future, called 1984, when Big Brother would rule over us. Books would be banned. Information would be withheld from us. But at roughly the same time, Postman says, Huxley was writing Brave New World and his predictions were not that. His prediction was, no, books, books wouldn't be banned. It would just come a time when no one wanted to read a book. And instead of information being withheld, it would just drown in a sea of irrelevance. There would be too much information. If Big Brother was going to rule over us, this one was more about how the Internet would just lull us into complacency you know, there's just there's just too much, I can't respond to it all, I know about too many crises. And so Postman says, among other things, we became desensitized. Or in other words, what used to absolutely shock us now results in a kind of, eh, yeah. And it's not just in DC or our capital cities, and it's not just politicians who no longer know how to maybe be servants. It's really about how even we read scripture. Like for instance, a page or two after this, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and there's this fig tree and he curses it and it dies. And then Mark writes, and it was not the season for figs. What? What? That makes no sense at all. Now, it would have made sense if there was this big field of fig trees and all of them except for this one were bearing fruit and this one barren tree, and he curses it and it dies and it becomes a kind of enacted parable about Israel failing to bear fruit or something like that, but he curses a tree for not bearing fruit and it's not the season for fruit. You see what I mean by the scandal of the gospel has become a kind of yawn? We're no longer offended. We're no longer shocked. And it's the same in this story that we read. I hope you caught some of the shock. James and John approach Jesus, and the way I picture it, they're kind of whispering, Psst, Master, you, you got a minute? We just want to... And Jesus says, What, what do you want? What, just keep, keep it down, Lord. We're wondering, you know, when you, when you come into your glory, could we, could we have the places on your right and your left? Kind of like Secretary of State, National Security Advisor is kind of what we were thinking. And, and by the way, can we get a selfie with you, Jesus? Hashtag, hashtag, we're really hot stuff. We're on your team. And this is right on the heels of Jesus saying, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. Can we ask a favor? It's shocking. The 10 hear about it, and they began to be angry, which is putting it mildly. You probably couldn't print what they were thinking. And they are not ticked off at James and John for being so insensitive. It's they're getting ahead of them. The disciples are arguing amongst themselves. Who's the greatest? So a little bit exasperated but patient, Jesus sits them down and he says, among Rome's rulers, the elite, the way they climb is by stepping on people. And everybody knows that, and then he burst that bubble by saying, it's not so among you. In God's economy, if you wanna be the greatest, if you wanna be the leader, you have to serve. And the disciples don't get it. There is a way in which we tend to read the gospels, all four of them, and we kind of put them in a blender, make a gospel smoothie out of them, and we lose their distinctiveness. Not only do the four tell the story of Jesus differently, they tell the story of the disciples differently. In the other three Gospels, they come off looking eh, pretty good. But in Mark, they are always thick. They don't get it. And here's why I say that. Three times in this section, Jesus predicts, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, I'm going to Jerusalem to die, and three times they don't have a clue what he's talking about. But here's the brilliance of how Mark's put it together. Those three predictions and the thickness is bracketed by two stories of Jesus healing the blind. The blind, in Mark's gospel, come to see, while those who see, they seem to be blind or maybe another way to put it, is if you're applying for a job, don't put Mark as a reference. He tells the truth. You know what I mean? When I applied for this position, the personnel committee wanted a CV, resume. I turned it in, and of course, like all resumes, they had to have references, and I did exactly what you do. I put the people who love me, think the world of me, and when poor Steve Boo had to call them, that's all they did was just say, oh, he's so great, he's so great. I'm not going to put Mark on there. If I'd put Mark on there, he would have told you about the time I went to Nicaragua. You know we have a group there now, they left yesterday. I went 15 years ago with the faculty at the seminary where I was teaching. We were doing this exchange with some professors there about liberation theology, God's care for the poor. When we went to Costa Rica, we went to Nicaragua, in Managua we stayed in. A kind of denominational conference center, but that really doesn't quite do it justice. It was a tin structure with concrete floors, food that was eh, not so great, showers without hot water, beds that were not very comfortable, and none of us complained aloud, just privately. Across the street, there were homes so to speak, piece of tin on a roof, cardboard, dirt floors, no electricity. And then they said, today we're gonna take you to see how the poor live. I thought they were joking. Well, I've already seen how the poor, no. And we loaded into the air conditioned bus and we drove to the city dump. And we watched as the trucks pulled in and the men and the women and the children who lived in the dump, foraged for their food. And like good tourists, we took pictures. I mean, honestly, we were deeply moved, but we were kind of ready to be back home too. That's the way Mark tells the story of us following him. I love the first line. The first line says, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, Jesus was walking ahead of them. That little phrase, on the road, it's not a very good translation, it's really the way. And that was code language for those who follow Jesus. On the way of Christian discipleship, here's what was happening. Jesus was walking ahead of him, I'll say. We may be walking with him, but he is way ahead of us. You've probably noticed that. And so every Sunday, every Sunday, he has us sit down right here and maybe he's a little exasperated, but he's so patient and loving and he says, let's go over this again. And that's why we put this time of confession and pardon into the bulletin to remind us that yeah, 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 I'm not exactly up there with him and yet we are forgiven. You may have noticed that we have this little series at Lent that we called Questioning Jesus. And some of the stories Jesus asks the question of somebody and some it's the other way around. There are plenty of questions in this text. You know, James and John have a question. Uh, Lord, would it be okay if we have the place of the right and the left when you come into your glory? Jesus asks really interesting questions in response. He says, can you be baptized with my baptism? Can you drink the cup that I drink? That's, it's kind of odd language, but what he's doing is he's using the language of the church. Mark's using the language of the church. In other words, if you've been initiated into this thing through baptism, and if you are drinking this cup, do you have any idea what you've gotten yourself into? But I really like Mark's question. It's not, it's not there on the surface. It's underneath the way he tells the story. So James and John say, we want the place on your right and your left. And they don't know what they're asking for because if you read on, Mark says, that's reserved for the two thieves who are crucified alongside Jesus. Mark's question to us is very simple. Are you sure you wanna follow Jesus?